Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to give a couple warnings this morning. You will be convicted. You will. Uh, Especially those who are married here this morning. As I studied this passage this week and uh, a little bit before last week as well, getting an early start on it, uh, I've never been more convicted in a message uh, than when I was studying this passage. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be talking about husbands and wives. So second disclaimer, this is specifically directed to husbands and wives. So if you are not one of those, don't feel like, all right, you're being left out. All right. Uh, What you can gather from this is the general idea about what marriage is and what to pursue, what to look for. Uh, You know, if if you are seeking a spouse in the future, these are the things that you want to look for in a spouse. Someone who will do these things. And like I said, for husbands and wives here this morning, uh, you will be convicted. And the question will become not just if there's something you can learn, but how to apply what you learned this morning. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 22 this morning. And it reads, Wives, submit uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having uh, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands also should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves Himself, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. God, uh, we do thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, it is an amazing thing to even have it so we can read it this morning. Uh, 2,000 years ago, this was written. You have preserved it for us. Uh, Lord, and you've done it in such a way that we don't even have to be scared about the meaning. Uh, We don't have to question it. We know it to be perfect, to be complete, and that it is your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning as we look at this passage. Uh, Lord, that we would apply it. Lord, help us not just to think about what uh, the other in this relationship is supposed to be doing, uh, but Lord, how we can serve them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us all to be encouraged and uh, convicted and moved by this passage. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as, as we begin this morning... I think it's very interesting how Paul has been going here in Ephesians. You know, the, the last about chapter and a half, he's been really hitting hard how to live practically as a Christian. You know, he's been talking about how to live as a Christian in just terms of righteousness, 
And then he applies it to, okay, you're going to live in the church. How do you live righteously? Uh, in the world, how do you live righteously? And now he's turning his direction to the home. How do you live righteously as a Christian in the home? How do you live like a Christian? How do you have a Christian marriage? Uh, and like I said, this, this passage will convict you. Like I said, the uh, most convicting passage I've had uh, in, in preaching a sermon. Uh, so as we do that this morning, I don't want to see elbows going. I don't want to see dirty looks. Uh, I don't want to see, I told you. All right. Uh, you know, we each have things that we need to learn from this passage this morning. So don't be thinking about the other. All right. Husbands, don't think your wife needs to do this. I hope she's listening this morning. All right. And uh, wives, don't do the same thing with the husbands. Think about you. Think about how you need to fulfill this passage this morning. All right. So we start off. I'm sorry, ladies, but this is the way Paul does it. So we're starting with you. All right. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, submission is a term that uh, some people just don't get right. All right. Uh, some people would say that it means obedience. All right. That means that uh, a wife is to blindly obey their husband. All right. You do what he says, no matter what. And, you know, if you don't, you are sinning. Well, in some aspects, that can be true. All right. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to say flat out that that's wrong. All right. But it is not just blind obedience. That's not what this word means. All right. This is not the word that is chosen here in chapter six, verse one. All right. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. That's not the word here. All right. Now, that's not the word in verse twenty two of chapter five. And it's not the same word as verse five of chapter six. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. All right. This is not blind obedience. This is something else. Submission, and I believe this is in uh, the back of your notes there uh, in the bulletin, but submission is really all about equality. All right, now I know you might be saying, what, what, what do you mean? All right, uh, equality being that two, equal, uh, two parties are equal. All right, submission is really all about that. Because submission is willfully and freely putting yourself under the leadership of another. All right, that's what submission means. It's not blind obedience. All right, but it is saying, out of my own free will, I will follow that leader. All right, uh, it is all about equality. It is all about putting yourself freely under the leadership of another. All right, here we see that there is equal position in a marriage. Equal position. The husband is not better than the wife, and the wife is certainly not better than the husband as far as their positions go. But there are different roles within a marriage. All right, same position, different roles. What... What does that remind you of? If you're thinking theologically this morning, as I hope you always do, this should remind you of the Trinity. Alright, we see that there are different persons in the Trinity. Three persons, one God. 
And within that, we do see a level of deference. We've talked about that many times. What that means is, uh, even as uh, uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, right, we see that Christ submits himself to the Father. All right, if we were to say that it is blind obedience of a superior, because that's what you would need it to be if it was blind obedience, it has to be a superior. Parents, you are the superior of your children until they are grown. All right, uh, and even in the time frame there of masters and slaves, they are the superior. All right, and uh, we see it today with employers and uh, uh, their their employees. All right, they are the superior. All right, but here we're not talking about a superior. All right, uh, and when we talk about the the Trinity in this, it helps us to see. All right, yes, there, there are different persons, and each one of them has a different role. But that does not mean that one is less than the other, does it? Alright? We should worship God the Father, and we should worship the Holy Spirit. We should worship the Son. All have equal standing. All have co-eternality. All are co-equal in their power. Yet they have different roles. And that does not mean that one is less than the other. It's the same way in marriage. Alright, so what, what are we talking about then when we talk about submission? Alright, if it's not blind obedience, and sure, alright, we're freely putting ourselves, our wives are putting themselves under the leadership of their husband, what does that look like? Well, he tells us. Alright, he says, uh, for, or let, let's keep on going. Wives submit. To your own husbands. Let's stop there for a sec first. Alright? To your own husbands. Alright? This does not mean that wives or ladies, just in general, have to submit to any man. Alright? A lot of cultures get that wrong. Alright? They say, alright, well, you're a man, that means that, you know, a lady can't, you know, uh, be your boss or something like that. No, that's not what it's talking about at all. And wives don't have to listen to just anybody. Uh, just because they're a male. No. Submit to your own husbands. Your husband. That God has put in your life to be your leader. Right, you submit to him. Not, not to some Joe Schmo over there who's telling you to do something. No. You, you submit to your own husbands. Alright, and he says, uh, you know, to your own husband, meaning... Uh, exactly what he says in Galatians 3.28. Right? There is neither male nor female in Christianity. Alright? Um, no one is better than the other. And he says to do this as to the Lord. Now again, let, let's stop there and talk about what it means to submit. Alright? It, it means to follow. And in some ways that does mean, yes, obedience. But it is not like a child. There is input that goes back and forth. There is a partnership that goes uh, uh, that that stays in the marriage. All right, it, it's not like uh, like in, in the business world. Like if you were in a partnership with someone, all right, and you start making decisions about, uh, let's say, you owned a store, and you were like, "Well, I'm going to rename the store this." What would your partner think if you didn't talk to them? Right. That's not a good partnership. That's not good leadership. All right? 
the same way in a marriage. Husbands, you know, just because you are the leader of your home doesn't mean that you neglect your wife's wisdom. Right? Get good advice. You're a partner. And yes, what, submission does mean in some aspects that yes, you, you have to, at some point you talk about it, if there's a difference of opinion, then yeah, you obey the husband in that. But, you know, as we discuss through this, the husband as the leader, there's a lot more here that's said to them. Right, that's said to us. As we look at this, we have, what, one, two, three verses on, uh, on, on wives and how many about husbands? Much more. Alright? So as the husband fulfills this other aspect of his role, there should be those instances where it's not just obey me wife. Alright? You know, I said my mind, you have to submit. If that is your heart as a husband, I would say you're not fulfilling your end. Alright? So submission is following that leader. And he says, as to the Lord. Now, some people take that as meaning, alright, that it means that basically the husband plays the role of Jesus. And uh, you submit to him just like you submit to Christ. Um, that's, that's not the case here in this particular part of this verse. Alright, uh, there'll, there'll be the aspect of Christ in the church and how that marriage exemplifies that in a few moments. But here, when it means as to the Lord, it means for. It's a way of worship. Wives, as you submit to your husbands, that's a way that you can glorify God. That you fulfill your role. And that brings glory to the one who made that role. Alright, so as to the Lord, for the Lord. Alright, he says, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So head here speaks of authority and uh, really responsibility. We talked about that a couple chapters ago when Paul used it again to talk about how Christ is the head of the church. All right, it means that you know the head tells you where to go. It tells you what to do. It also holds the responsibility as Christ is the head of the church. And now he says something very interesting here. Uh, and he kind of just puts it in there and moves on. And it's going to be uh, a big aspect of what marriage is. And if we don't get this part right, then we're not going to get our marriages right. All right, he says, For the husband is the head of the body, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. All right, we're, we're going to come back to that. But I want you to pick up that this is not just something he's going to introduce later. But this is something that he's talking about throughout. All right, his body. We'll talk about that in a bit. All right, um, but he keeps going, and is himself its savior. Now, again, uh, I don't, I don't think that you know he's talking specifically to husbands there. All right, uh, you are not the savior of your wife. All right, in some ways, yes, you provide for her. Uh, you know, if you're fulfilling your biblical uh, responsibility of providing for your family, there's some who could take it and go with that. But I think that's specifically talking about Jesus. All right, he's the savior. All right, he's the one who died for your wife's sins, not you, right? All right, so that, I believe, is just talking specifically there uh, to Jesus. Verse 24, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. 
All right, so as, uh, as the church submits to Christ, how do we do that? What does that look like in the church? Because that's really what he's going to go back and forth with. He's going to say, all right, marriage, something we, we're, we're talking about today. All right, and then how that relates to the church in Christ and how it's a picture. All right, spoilers, it's, uh, you know, uh, that marriage is a, is a picture of the gospel and how it relates to Christ and the church. All right, but as we look at this, how, how do we do that? In what ways does Fairmont Baptist submit to Christ? Well, hopefully, in all ways. Where everything that we do as a church, we want to make sure that it's what Jesus wants. Right? That, that, that's what we want. We want to do what Jesus wants. It's His church. He's the head of the church. So the things that He tells us to do, we want to do them as a church. Uh, his, his characteristics, who He is. We want to act out those characteristics as his church. All right? And so he takes that and he applies it to wives. All right? In that same way, wives are, submit, are to submit to their husbands in what? Everything. Everything. That's hard. That's hard. Even, even as, a, as a kid. All right, it was a little bit different because there is a different relationship there. All right, but as a kid, I remember there were so many times that my dad told me to do something, and I was just like, no. Uh, I, I don't think that's the right thing to do or whatever. But I had to do it. And that was difficult. And this is beyond that because you're equals. All right, you, you're the wife and the husband, you're equal. And yet, the role that God has put in the wife's life is to submit to her husband in everything. Not just in the things you want. Not in the things that you desire. But in everything. And that is the, what you can do for the glory of God. As to the Lord. That is a difficult thing. So it means that you follow his leadership. That you encourage your husband. That you give him that advice. And by the way, men, uh, you don't get out on this. You can't just say, okay, well, <laughs> you got to submit to me and everything. Pastor said it. No. All right. Good leadership. This is in the back of your bulletins as well. Good leadership requires good advice and wisdom. You know, as a leader of this church, I would be failing you. If I was not seeking good advice about things. If I did not have a group that I can go to of other pastors and uh, other leaders that I can go to and say, Hey, you know, we have this issue in the church and I don't know, what do, what do you think about that? If I didn't have some kind of accountability. Alright? That's your wife, husbands. Your advice. There's wisdom. He who finds a wife finds a what? A good thing. That's what Proverbs tells us. Your wife is a good source of wisdom and advice. Listen to her. You know, it is not good leadership to just say the decision without taking into account anyone else's opinion. That will lead to beaten down wives and poor marriages. You know, so wives, for you, 
You must follow your husband's leadership. And that is the way you can glorify God. And husbands, you don't get out of that and just say, you have to obey me. No. You lead her well. You listen to her. Verse 25. So let's switch then. Like I said, you know, wives, it's, it's pretty simple what your, what your role is as far as, uh, I'm not saying simple as in easy. All right, I'm saying simple as in it's very concise about what your role is in the relationship of the marriage. All right, and then men, there's quite a bit more that's said to you. Why do you think that is? Because you have a lot more responsibility. That is your role. So as he begins, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Easy. Love your wives. Alright. Uh, who, If you're married this morning, uh, husbands, who loves their wives? Yeah. You know, I think we, we would all say that. Right? That's pretty easy. Right? We just celebrated Valentine's Day a couple of weeks ago. You know, I'm sure that each one of us brought home flowers and a card and candy and presents and things like that. Right? Because we love our wives. Uh, but the question really isn't, you know, whether we love our wives or not. But it's to the measure. It's to the, the riches of that love. That's the question. Husbands, love your wives. How so? In what measure? As Christ loved the church. Well, I know. <laughs> Now that is difficult. Alright? Wives, don't don't feel like you have to be, you're not the only one who has a difficult position in the marriage of things that you have to do. You have to submit to his leadership and everything. Husbands, you have to love your wife like Jesus loves the church. How much is that? There's no words. There are no words to describe that kind of depth of love. Only actions. Or only actions that can define how deep, how rich that love is. And that's why Paul gives us that. So, husbands, how much should you love your wives? Enough to do these things. As Christ does. He says that he gave himself up for her. Gave himself up. Simple way of saying that is sacrifice. Number three in your bulletins, a husband is to sacrifice for their wife. A husband is to sacrifice for their wife. And what does that mean? For Christ, that means that he actually gave up his entire life. Bled out. He died. A couple uh, month and a half from now, we'll be celebrating, uh, first off, that, that death. And we do celebrate it, by the way. It is Good Friday, even though it's a dark, kind of depressing day. There is good in it because he died for us. So we could be redeemed from our sins. And then we'll celebrate the resurrection. All right, But that's what Christ did for his love, the church. Those who would uh, call out on the name of the Lord for salvation. All right, That's the kind of love that he shows. That's the sacrifice that he gives. So what kind of sacrifice are we talking about for the husband? Well, it could be anything. 
I know for me, it's time. Time is probably the biggest way that a husband can sacrifice for his wife. Now, I don't just mean spending quality time. That's easy. Right? Like, I mean, sure, you might be busy, but I know that you want to carve out time with your wife. Right? Uh, But I think more of that, and we'll get into it when we talk about cherishing, but it's giving her time to pursue her passions, to pursue... Um, her own interests. Sacrifice for her. Watch the kids. It's not that hard. Right? You, you had a good part in making them. Take care of them so your wife can go out and do something for herself. Sacrifice for her. Sacrifice financially. You know, uh, a lot of the times, I don't know how you guys do it in your household, but uh, a lot of the times I deal with our finances. And, you know, I'm budgeting for different things, and I find out that, you know, for the fun things, who are those usually for? Me. Right? Uh, one new iPad. One new computer. You know, it would be really cool right now. I'm looking at getting an AV system for our TV. Uh, you know, uh, one of the receivers make up, like, you know, better than a sound bar for our sound. Well, who's that about? That's about Dean. We need to sacrifice even financially for our wives. Seek out her interests. Seek out her desires. Find out what those are and sacrifice even financially towards that. Sacrifice your goals. Maybe you have goals in your life. You know, husbands, maybe you have some goals, maybe at work. Uh, further your education. Well, what about your wife? She has goals. Sacrifice for her. So, what sacrifice could you make to seek the good for your wife? Question for you husbands. Alright, but it doesn't end there. That's hard. But it keeps going. He says, and that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by washing of water with the Word. Alright, we we know that uh, Christ has done this for the church. Alright, He has caused us to be holy, uh, both in standing. Alright, we have a righteousness in standing, but as we've been talking about the last month and a half, really, about the righteousness of God and how we live that out in the church and in the world. Alright, He has caused us to be able to do that. To pursue righteousness. And husbands are to help their wives pursue righteousness. To assist them in holiness. Now how are you to do that? Husbands, how do you do that? How do you lead your wife? Not just physically, but spiritually. Well, he says, with the word. With the word. That, that is how we can lead our wives in sanctifying her, assisting her in holiness, is by being in the Word with her. Honey, what did you learn uh, in, in your time with God this morning? Let's talk about it. You know, um, maybe even you do it together. 
You have a, a, a couple, um, a little Bible study. You know, uh, maybe not every night, but you know, you get together and you say, you know, what, what are you learning? You know, let's read a passage of scripture together. Let's pray together. Lead. Leadership isn't just about making the decisions. That's actually one of the last things on the list. Leadership is about behavior. It's about your character. You love your wife. Lead her spiritually. Assist her in holiness. And I'll I'll say it this way. Your wife is weakest in the faith when you are. Think about that. Your wife is weakest in the faith when you are. You are a partner. If you are not pursuing righteousness, you are not helping your partner pursue righteousness. Easy stuff this morning. So he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, that he might present her. When is this going to happen? You know, as far as Christ and the church, when does that happen? The marriage feast, right? Marriage feast of the Lamb, Revelation 19. That's when that's going to happen. All right, for us, how do we do that? Well, what does it look like? Really, what we're talking about is splendor. That's the goal. That's Christ's goal for the church, to present her in splendor and holiness. And that should be the husband's goal for his wife. That she would be uh, full of splendor. Uh, This is when you got married. Uh, You know, you're, you're standing up there with the preacher. Uh, and, and your wife is in the back, right? Or your bride is in the back, and she's going to walk down the aisle. I remember my buddy Joel, my best man, who's my best friend since fifth grade. Uh, you know, I remember that he told me, I'm not going to be looking at her. I'm going to be looking at you. You know, I want to see your face the first time you see her coming down the aisle. And he, he actually took a picture. He was standing right there, but he took a picture, right? Uh, and got my face. And you could see how happy I was because my wife was beautiful. She still is. All right? Splendor. That's what that is. All right? Uh, Splendor really has has the idea of glory. The word is doxa. Glory. There's glory in that. We want our wives to be glorious. Uh, Spiritually. We want them to be glorious. We want them to be perfect. That's without spot, holy, blameless. What is the idea there? It's perfect. Now, I don't mean that you go around and start saying, you know, every every uh, everything that is wrong with your wife. You start making a list, and you start telling her about that list every day. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about perfect. It means mature. All right, we want our wives to be mature in the faith. We want them to be perfect. Like I said, there's a danger. There's a danger there for husbands. And I know I have fallen into this trap of being too critical, of being too harsh. Uh, it reminds me, you know, I've had a lot of great jobs. 
uh, probably the worst was Taco Bell. <laughs> All right, that was my first job uh, writing. Uh, you know, I, I worked with my dad with his cleaning company, but outside of the family, this was my first job my freshman year in college. And I, I worked at Taco Bell over in Owatonna, Minnesota. You know, every day, walk down from campus, go to go work there. And I had a boss. His name was Nick, and he was not uh, he was not the best boss. All right, he he was cruel. Uh, he he was very harsh about everything. Uh, if you want, made one mistake, it was screaming in your face, you know, what are you doing? You know, I was a good worker, and so I didn't get it as much, but I saw it with my coworkers. I was just getting screamed at and screamed at, and this guy was way too critical. Sometimes we can be like that as husbands, just being way too critical. And we do not want to discourage our wives. We want to encourage them in pursuing holiness. How are you going to do that if you're beating your wife down emotionally? You're not going to be able to do it. And it is not loving. You know, husbands, love your wives. Love them as you assist them in holiness. These are not two distinct different terms. They go together. They are meant to go together. And he says, in the same way, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. And here's that key idea again. And we'll talk about it here in a minute because it gets into more detail. Right? But you love your wife because she's part of you. You're not whole without her. All right, and he says there, uh, just after, all right, he who loves his wife loves himself. There's so much wisdom in that short phrase. And what is it saying? Well, really what it's talking about is that you two are one. You know, your marriage, you are one entity. So if you love your wife, you're really loving your marriage. That, that unity between the two of you. Alright? But there are some application things from that. Alright, you want to have a good life? Well, you know how the, the cliche goes. Alright? But if you want to have a good life, you know, love your wife. You want to enjoy your time here on earth? Love your wife. You want to be happy. Love your wife. You want things to go well in your home. Don't be a dictator. No, love your wife. And when you do that, you know, because we're selfish people. We're selfish people and there always needs to be some kind of, you know, goal at the end here. I think he's even just telling us. You know, you should be doing it for many other reasons of, you know, that you care about your wife. But even that, you love your wife and it's good for you. It is a beneficial thing for you to show that love, to show that sacrifice, to show that assistance in their holiness. It is a good thing for you. And now let's really get into the core of it. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Does anyone hate themselves this morning? 
All right. Um, some some people in the world might say that they do. All right, but they they still take care of themselves a lot of the times. Or maybe there's some kind of mental illness there, sure. Some spiritual attacks, I get that. But in generalities, all right. You love yourself. You take care of yourself, don't you? You make sure that you fulfill your own desires. You know, if if you're hungry, what are you going to do? You're going to get something to eat, right? Like you, maybe even you're sitting here this morning and saying, "Pastor, you know, it's it's getting closer to twelve, and I'm hungry." What are you going to do after service? You're going to go get some food. You're going to satisfy that desire. You don't hate yourself. You love yourself. You you take care of yourself. You take care of your desires, your uh, interests. All right. No one has ever hated themselves, but nourishes and cherishes it. Nourish is talking about food. Or you feed yourself. You take care of yourself physically. All right? And now as we take it, we know that this is a comparison to marriage here. Right, so husbands, this is what he even says in a few moments here. All right, uh, just as Christ does the church, and we are to do it in the same way to our wives. All right, so husbands are to nourish their wives or wife. All right, grammar police would get me for that. All right, but you are to nourish your wife. How do you do that? By taking care of them physically, their food, um, the you know. Having a roof over their heads. Uh, even sexually, that, that would fall under that category. Nourishing your wife. And then he says cherishing. Cherishing your wife. You probably said this in your vows. I know I did. All right, what, what is that talking about? Well, the idea there, while nourish means to feed, cherish means to take care. Husbands are to take care of their wives. To show them concern. Now, I think the first part, nourish, is about the physical. I think cherish is really about the spiritual. You are to care for their soul. Do not squash your wife. Do not beat them down. Emotionally, spiritually, lift them up. Take care of them. Seek out their interests. Look what is good for them. Seek the good for your wife's soul. Cherish them. Just as Christ does the church, He has done that for us. He feeds us with His Word, He takes care of us through His Spirit. Why? Because we are members of His body. Because we are members of His body, um, there is unity there. There is unity. We are united. A husband and a wife are one. That's even why He says, uh, He quotes this from Genesis. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Right, so it means that a husband is to leave his household, hold on to his wife, which by the way, 
doesn't mean um, uh, you know that you are completely rid of uh, you know for the wife the in-laws all right but it does mean that you're your separate entity all right you're your own household and you hold fast to each other the idea there is being fastened like glue in other words yes you are stuck together but it is good you hold fast to her and you are now one flesh. Now, people, when they talk about that idea of being one flesh, uh, they, they just stick on the sexual side of that. That's, that's what you always hear. Right? But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. It's spiritually. It's emotionally. You are one. What is good for your wife is good for you. And what is good for the husband is good for the wife. The key to marriage is this idea of being one. It's not that you, you know, yes, you, are, you have separate personalities, you have separate interests. That's true. You know, it's not just the, the, the joke that, you know, as you're married longer, you look more and more like each other. All right, we're not just talking about that. All right, but we're talking about how you are distinct persons, but you are the same unit. Much like how the Trinity acts. It means that you have a shared life. You have a shared purpose. And you have a shared heart. And that's really what, we're, what is the key to this. You know, marriage, when you look at this, you begin to understand that marriage is about the gospel. It's a picture. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for his church. In other words, the gospel. If you do not have a healthy, strong marriage, it's not, just, uh, it's not just detrimental for you. It is detrimental to Christ. You should see your marriage as a way of you glorifying God together. You and your wife as one. Wife and your husband. Because our roles, and we are equal, but our roles show different aspects of Jesus. Submission. It shows how the church submits to Jesus. It also shows how the Trinity acts within itself. Gospel. The husband. Your role of being the leader and the and the one who loves and sacrifices and gives for your wife. By the way, that's not talking about the wife. You know, yes, your, your wife should sacrifice for you and there should be uh, that, that common love. But that's specifically said of the husband. I think that's because we struggle with that. You know, as the leader, we think about ourselves a lot. I know I do. But your role... It's supposed to show that love, that gentle spirit of Jesus and that sacrifice that he makes for the church, the gospel. So as you look at this passage, you see that Christ is the standard of marriage. You know, wives submit 
to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Christ is a standard there. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. There's the standard there again. Christ is the standard. We see that Christ is the sustainer of marriage. He will keep your marriage. If you, if you love your wife, and if wife, if you submit to your husband, you follow his leadership, he will sustain you. And he is the purpose of marriage. It's not just for you to be happy. By the way, it is a happy thing. It is a good thing. But it also, it shows the gospel. It could be an example for you when you're talking about your faith. And someone asks you, man, you really love your wife. Yeah, well, I'm called. I'm, I'm called uh, by my Savior to, to love my wife like he loves me. The gospel. Christ is the, he's the sustainer, he's the standard, and he is the purpose of marriage. And while all of that is true, this is a practical thing for us. You know, let us not just think about the theological, let us also think of the practical. And I think that's why he ends it, uh, you know, just in case they got lost along the way with the picture. What's the takeaway for us? Verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's marriage. That's when God is glorified. In your marriage. And that's when it is best for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Uh, I thank you that it can convict us. Lord, I thank you for the practicality of it. That you don't just give us a list of theological terms and definitions or ideas. But you help us to understand how those relate to our practical life. God, I pray that you would help our marriages here at Fairmont Baptist. That we would see you as the standard of our marriages, as the sustainer of our marriages, and as the purpose of our marriages. God, I pray for wives here today, that they would respect their husbands, that they would submit to his leadership. And God, I pray that you would help husbands here today, including myself too, Love our wives. And not just in some uh, vain way of uh, giving gifts, uh, but we would be sacrificing for our wives, giving for our wives. Uh, Lord, that we would be pursuing their holiness. That we would be helping them, assisting them. That we would show them as example. Lord, we want to glorify you in our marriages because we want the gospel to go forward. And marriage is such a gift for us to show the gospel. I pray that you would help us to be faithful in our marriages. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.